Victor and I rank our top 31st baseman, leading to some of our greatest disagreements to date. The Chaos Wheel also makes a return as we draft NFL playoff teams. Will the wheel screw someone over again? All that and more on this week's Saint Victory Podcast. Sound the victory trumpets. That's right, Victor. We have music featuring some victory trumpets for the Saint Victory Pod. Victor, it's been a while since we've talked. It's been two weeks. We took a break for the holidays. How's it going? It's going well. I got a Switch for Christmas, so I've been playing that almost nonstop for the past, uh, what, week and a half or so. What uh, games have you been playing? Uh, the Diamond remake, I've been playing that to, at an unhealthy level uh, since I got it. Also Smash and Mario Kart. I am not much of a gamer, so much to the extent that I don't even know what the Diamond original is. I'm not even sure what type of game that is. So. Pokemon. Pokemon. You're, you're exposing a, a large gap in my knowledge, which I try to hide all the gaps in my knowledge. So thank you for that. Yeah, I don't consider myself much of a gamer either, but Pokemon basically built my childhood. So it's been a very nice nostalgia run. Well, speaking of building childhoods, my childhood was built on winning fantasy football championships. <laughs> okay, that was a weird transition, but I went for it. And uh, it's not entirely true either, but this is most likely your fantasy championship week in fantasy football. So I was curious, do you have any champion? Uh, champion teams how did you do how are your teams looking do you need anything tonight I had one team make it to the championship it's not looking good right now I'm up I think two points but Nick Chubb is on his side tonight so that's almost a guaranteed loss uh, barring something unforeseen uh, the the morning on Sunday uh, before the game started I decided to take Jarrett Patterson out of my lineup because I was scared about the Washington football team's potential game script. And then that game ended up being competitive and Patterson had a good game and scored a touchdown anyway. So that's probably going to cost me this year, but otherwise it was a good run. I'm not going to win the title, but it was a decent year. And then my other league, I was bounced in the first round. Uh, I'm similar. I, and I have two leagues, one I was bounced in the first round and one it's coming down to Nick Chubb. However, I'm on the other side. So I need 17 points from Nick Chubb. So, you know, it's going to happen, Victor, obviously he's going to get somewhere between two and 17 and we're both going to lose our fantasy championship and get sent home packing with nothing. I don't know if your league pays out second very well, but I think my league just does like double your buy-in. So it's really, you, it's winner takes all essentially. Yeah. Ours is winner take all as well. Is Nick Chubb even going to play that? I mean, the Browns have nothing to play for tonight. That is true, but I'm. It doesn't doesn't sound like a thing that's going to happen. If they're sitting anyone, it might as well be Baker with all his injuries and poor performances. I, they I could actually be, have a lot they could eliminate the Steelers tonight, though, so that might be reason enough for them to try hard. Well, I think we've uh, belabored fantasy enough. We try to avoid it for the most part, even though both of us spend a lot of our time tweeting about fantasy. When we come here, we like to keep things a little away from fantasy, but still, you know, play some play some games, talk some sports. So speaking of that, let's jump right into our first base rankings. So last time we recorded, we did our catcher rankings. This is not fantasy rankings. This is just how we value them in real life. So for catcher, defense was heavily factored. And I think for both of our rankings, first base, I'm not sure that's the case. Victor, did you factor in defense much at all for a position that is very offensive forward? Uh, not much. I think there were a couple of tiebreakers where I felt the much, much, much better defender. I pushed ahead of someone who... Uh, might be a little better of a hitter, but that was maybe just one or two players. And then there were a couple of players who were DH level bad at first base that I did push down a little bit, but it was definitely nothing like the catcher ranking when it comes to comparing defenses. Yeah, I was similar. I think I factored in about one eighth. That's about the weight I put on 
first base defense. I just don't find it a very difficult position to play or a very important position to play. It's a position where when an error is made, it almost always gets put on the fielder who's throwing the ball because if it's thrown right at their chest, it's going to be caught. So it's kind of, it's kind of an interesting position when it comes to defense, but I basically just ranked him by offensive performance as well. So let's get right into it. Let's reveal numbers 30 through 21. We're going to reveal them in reverse order, starting with number 30, Miguel Sano. Number 29 is Bobby Dalback. Number 28, Seth Beer. Number 27, G-Man Choi. Number 26, Rowdy Telez. Number 25, Tristan Cassis. We're going to spend some time talking about him, Victor, because he was snubbed off your list. Number 24, Trey Mancini. Number 23, Frank Schwindel. Number 22, Ryan Mountcastle. And number 21, Nate or Nathaniel Lowe. So let's start with the players that one of us had, but the other one didn't. Starting with number 30, Miguel Sano. I didn't put him on my list. You had him ranked at 26. That's good for 30th on our composite rankings. You know, for me, Victor, Miguel Sano does one thing really well, and it's hit the ball hard, and that's about it. So I guess if you want to reward a singular elite skill, I get it. I get why he's on your rankings. I just couldn't, I didn't see enough for me to put him. Do you think there's a strong case? Or are you not that upset to see him off my rankings? I think he's in the range of probable one war players who are at the end of a top 30 like this list. I had him kind of in a group of players that I felt similarly, similarly about, but I had him towards the top just because I think his higher end outcomes are better than most of their players in this range who aren't very good. Um, so that's why I had him 26. Okay, so maybe a similar player to some, but a younger player, a former top prospect of the Red Sox who comes in at 29th on our list, Bobby Dalback. I ranked him, of course, as the Red Sox fan. I get to watch him play every day. Victor only gets to see him when he plays the Rays. So, Victor, you left Dalback off your rankings. I actually ranked him all the way up at 24. So, for me, he was a pretty easy addition to my list, but not someone I was necessarily high on. Yeah, I think Dalback is also somewhere in that one win player range um i'm not that high on him i think um like his strikeout to walk rate is not that different from a guy like miguel sanos i don't think he has as pristine of a power ceiling as miguel sano he's probably a better athlete but not much of a difference maker defensively so I think um, I went with the track record of Sano, who has been a good player before versus Dahlbeck, who has not been a good player in a real season before. So I think that was a differentiator for me. So you mentioned the athleticism of Dahlbeck, and that is completely true. He's actually the fastest player on the Red Sox. The Red Sox aren't a particularly fast team, but the top speeds, when you look at them, other than Jaron Duran, who doesn't really count, Bobby Dahlbeck, the, as someone who got regular playing time, one of the fastest players on the Boston Red Sox. So the athleticism is there and it's much larger in my opinion than Miguel Snow. I also think we've seen it twice now with Dalbeck where he can get red hot and he shows us glimpse of what he can do. So can do the same thing. I get that. But with Dalbeck's age, with the way he's able to do things other than just hit for power with that, a little bit extra athleticism, that speed, I think Dahlback deserves to be on the rankings. There's two other players that we both didn't, or that one of us had and the other didn't, both fairly similar, both technically prospects. So one being, again, a Red Sox player, Tristan Cassis, is actually 25th in our composite rankings because I had him all, all the way up at 19th. I think he's the real deal. And then Seth Beer, who I had all the way up at 23rd, you also did not rank him. He comes in at 28th, just in front of Miguel Sano and Dalbeck. So what is your deal with Seth Beer and Tristan Cassis? Uh, I haven't been a Seth Beer fan since he got to the Astros. I don't think that he's going to be a difference maker offensively, and I'm not sure he'll be able to. I mean, he. it depends if the DH is there, because if the DH is there, then he it's a pretty easy fit to get him playing time. Um, but otherwise, if there isn't a DH, I don't know if he'll be able to supplant uh, Christian Walker that quickly. And then um, for Cassius, I just didn't think he was going to be in the major leagues that much of the season compared to everyone else in order to accumulate value. So that's something that, you know, you as a Red Sox fan probably know better than I would. 
but just going by his uh, nine games in AAA, the Red Sox being a more competitive team that tends to not call upon prospects as quickly as other teams may um, may do, and also a team that's going to come into the season with Dahlbeck presumably playing uh, the majority of the games at first base. I thought Cash's set was more of a of a June July call up than an April May call or late April call up, which is why I didn't even like really consider him a, a contender for the list. That makes total sense for me. I think the ETA you've given him is fairly accurate. I do not think the Red Sox will be aggressive calling him up. I think, for example, they want to see are these hot streaks we're seeing from Bobby Dalbeck something that can become more consistent? Is there something there? They bring Tristan Cassis up, and that all of a sudden makes Bobby Dalbeck sort of irrelevant. So I think they'll be a little patient with him, try to get past some deadlines as far as calling him up. But Victor, this dude is the guy who earned his nickname in the Olympics. He's the American Nightmare. You cannot be disrespecting Captain America, the American Nightmare, Bobby, or sorry, Tristan Cassis. He has to be on the list. I think once he's called up, his pure performance will garner being much higher than even where we have him at 25th. But that's that range. That's our 21st through 30th ranked players. I think that uh, let's move on to 16th through 20th, starting again from the bottom, number 20, Jesus Aguilar of the Miami Marlins, then number 19, Yuli Gurriel, number 18, Yandy Diaz, and number 17, Brandon Belt. And then rounding out this group, Number 16, just missing the top 15, the top half first baseman, if you will. That would be Luke Voigt of the New York Yankees, maybe before the season. Someone you'd be surprised to see this low, but Victor and I actually both agreed on him and ranked him 15th. So Victor and I, we see eye to eye when it comes to Luke Voigt. So I actually want to focus on some of our bigger disagreements here. And surprisingly, that's Yandy Diaz. And I say surprisingly because I actually have Yandy Diaz quite a bit higher than you. I had him all the way up at 13th, whereas you have him down at 21. Victor, you're the Rays fan. I'm going to trust your opinion here. Why do you have Yandy Diaz at 21? It's interesting how the projections and some other statistics make Yandy Diaz out to be some sort of great player. But as someone who watches the Rays consistently, I don't really see him as a very good player. Um, He's a good hitter. Uh, he'll cover some ground at first base, but he has platoon issues uh, and he has a severe lack of power, just given the um, the angle at which he hits balls. And um, in 2021, he had a 111 weighted runs created plus 2019. It was 118, 2018 with the Cleveland Guardians. It was 116. So I think he'll live in that area um, as an offensive player uh, rather than the 139 that he put up in 2020. Uh, so because of that, I felt he was more in the range of other players who I view as sitting around a 115 weighted runs created plus, even though his defense at first base is probably going to be better than a lot of those players. I just valued the offensive production in that range a little more. Yeah. So again, I, I also am not factoring in defense too much. So that's not much of my argument for Diaz. I just really have an obsession with guys that can get on base and he can get on base. He doesn't really strike out, takes a lot of walks. Sure. He should, the way you look at him and knowing he's a first baseman, you should think he he's going to be hitting for a little more power, or at least, I don't know, hit the ball hard every once in a while. He seems to be severely underperforming in that department. It's not, in my opinion, it's not just a launch angle thing. It's just a, he doesn't, doesn't hit the ball as hard as he should for a guy his size. He's 6'2", 220. So I'm not sure what's going on there, but the dude has a great approach at the plate. And that's something I really appreciate. I definitely think that he's a much better first baseman um, in the much better side of the platoon in the Tampa Bay system, him and G-Man Choi, that is. And I think I'm not going to really hold being in a platoon at Tampa Bay against the player because who isn't? It's Wander Franco, and he's like a, one of the best players in the league already. So I'm not really going to hold that up against him. But you are the Rays fan, so I am going to I am going to side a little more with you. I'm probably too high on Yandy Diaz. But that brings us to players 11 through 15. So who just missed the top 10? And here, Victor, we have our two biggest disagreements, starting with our biggest at 15th. That's Josh Bell. 
Then we have Anthony Rizzo at 14th, CJ Crone at 13th. Ty France is our second biggest disagreement. He is comes in at 12, and then Jared Walsh at 11th. So, Victor, let's focus in here on Josh Bell in Ty France. Not a Josh Bell fan, I take it. Does this also have to do with him platooning? Uh, not necessarily him platooning. I do think the fact that he's so much worse from the right side of the plate does affect how I value him. Um, since you know, even if he's not sitting against lefties, he's bad against them. Uh, but I kind of grouped him in with other players who I think are going to be in the one to 1.5 win range of um, first baseman in that Miguel Sano type of group. And um, yeah, that's just kind of how I view Josh Bell, especially since he's such a uh, tremendously horrible defender uh, for his career, he's been an above average hitter, but nothing near good enough to make up for how bad of an offense, a defensive player he is. And outside of his 2019 season, he looks to me like, you know, something in the 115 to 118, 120 weighted runs created plus range while being one of the worst defenders in baseball. I think you are severely underselling his offense. I mean, Victor, you got to pull up this dude's baseball savant page. It is littered with red. He is a much better hitter than Miguel Sano. Miguel Sano's page is barely red. Miguel Sano can only hit the ball hard. Josh Bell can hit the ball hard and has a great approach at the plate. The only thing against him, like you said, terrible defender, and I'm not really factoring in that much. I think Josh Bell, given everyday playing time, which the Nationals seem to be refusing to do for no apparent reason, because when he played, he performed. And so I think this guy's a no doubt top 10 hitter at first base. And so that's why for me, I had Josh Bell just barely in my top 10, because that offensive production is I think can be quite impressive. I know he's 29 and so he's kind of running out of time. His peak season, that season he had in Pittsburgh a few seasons ago is one of the better seasons we've seen out of any player on this list. So we know that's in there for him. I think putting him with Miguel Sano is way underselling it. I, I can see being a little lower on him, but Miguel Sano, I mean, come on, they're different hitters. I don't think Josh Bell is a top 10 hitting first baseman at all. Uh, this past season, he was 13th among first basemen in Woba. And this was, you know, one of his better seasons in his career. Um, maybe I could be looking at 2020 a little too hard because when you mix um, 2020 with 2021, he comes out looking more like a horrible player than just an average player. But yeah, I think Bell is an above average hitting first baseman who does not do much of anything else. And for me, that puts him in the 20s in terms of ranking. Okay, so what about Ty France? Now, this is a guy basically the opposite for us. You have him in your top 10. I have him sitting at 18th. I think Ty France is largely unimpressive. I do not get the Ty France love. I think that love should be focused more on someone like Abraham Toro on that team and not Ty France. So sell me on Ty France. I think uh, since the beginning of 2020, he has a 130 weighted runs created plus while being the best defensive first baseman in in baseball, arguably. Uh, so I think that's an easy top 10 player. He's a better hitter, I think, than guy guys like Josh Bell or Anthony Rizzo. Um, so I think uh, being better offensively than those guys while being on the opposite end of the spectrum of those type of players defensively puts makes him pretty easy for me, put him in the top 10. I don't know where you're getting this idea that his hitting production is legit. I really don't think it is. He does a good job avoiding strikeouts, but when you look at barrel percentage and walk percentage, he's someone that is in the lower third of the league. And those three stats, just simply look at those three stats, barrel percentage, K percentage, walk percentage, gives you pretty a pretty good idea of what kind of hitter you're dealing with. And Ty France fails pretty hard in two of those categories. So I think that makes him a below average hitter, I think. What we saw last season, especially towards the end of the season, when he really heated up, when that whole Mariners team heated up, when they had that mojo, they had that luck going their way. I think that inflated his performance for sure. I don't think we'll see it again. Ty France is 27. I think people think he's like 24 when they talk about him. He's He is now on um, in his prime. He's not entering it. So I don't know. I think Ty France's um, production on the offensive side is over it. And again, I didn't factor defense in. So I'm, I'm not going to counter that at all. Yeah, I mean, uh, he's been hitting since he got to pro baseball. 
uh, culminating in that, I think 2019, he had like a 200 weighted runs created plus in AAA, something ridiculous like that. Um, I'm definitely not as much of a believer in expected stats as you seem to be, although his barrel rate, uh, which I do really care about, is bad. He's not particularly a power hitter, and I do think that the batting average skills are real since he's able to hit the ball to all parts of the field. He's not shiftable like a lot of hitters in this era. Uh, so I think the 130 weighted runs created plus is relatively real. And then I, as I mentioned earlier, the fact that he's arguably the best first baseman defensively had me push him a little ahead of guys who I think might be similar hitters, guys like Jared Walsh, who I think is a similar hitter or Reese Hoskins. I had, I pushed him above a little above those guys, Jose Abreu as well. Uh, I guess you could make a tier out of that, but that's how I view Ty France. Yeah, I get I get the defense thing again. I'm not really going against that. And you say it like I'm putting a lot of weight in expected stats, but it's really not his expected stats. It's that barrel percentage and that walk percentage. When you don't have those things going for you, your slumps are going to be really awful. So again, you've got to at least be hitting the ball hard if you're not going to be barreling it up very often. And he doesn't even really do that. So honestly, I don't I'm not like that against High France. You're just bringing out the anti-Tai France side of me. I think he's much more of an average first baseman because you have him so high. But where he landed 12th, I don't think that's egregious. But finally, Victor, that brings us to our top 10. You just mentioned him. We'll go through these players one by one. Jose Abreu, we have general agreement on him. I had him 11th, you had him 10th. So it seems like we agree on him. For me, Abreu recently has won an, an MVP, but he's he's old and we don't know how old. And so for me, the age cliff is something that really haunts me when it comes to factoring in Jose Abreu's production. So I bumped him down a little bit from where I think his performance technically is. I don't know if you factored that in at all. A little bit. Uh, he's one of the older guys who's in this range, I think, um, in like the Jared Walsh range, although there is another old guy that we haven't gotten to yet. Um, but yeah, I think Abreu is approaching that cliff and um, his contact ability is something that I think could be deteriorating as he reaches his um, the later stages of his career. Uh, he used to be below 20% strikeout rate. Now he's a little above um, his walk rate this year was one of the best he's had in his career. So he might be adjusting to being a little older, not being able to catch up to pitches that he was able to catch up to um, in his younger age. But I do think that he's probably obviously the uh, MVP season was above what we're expecting him to do, but he's still a good player, still a top 10 first baseman, I think fairly easily. I completely agree. I think the production is there to say he's actually uh, very easily in the top 10. Again, I just am hesitant about his age. And you just mentioned him. The other old guy comes in just before him at number nine is Joey Votto. I'm much more comfortable with Votto because I feel like we saw the age decline. I feel like we've seen him reinvent himself. You seem to prefer Abreu, but again, we have him very close. I have Votto at ninth. You have him at 12th, which is actually our second biggest disagreement in the top 10. So we're really very much so on the same page here. But Joey Votto, another old guy. Victor, you want to add anything to that? Yeah, I think with Votto, um, obviously his peak was tremendous. I'm just a little scared um, that he's actually shown us he could be a horrible player. And even with um, Jose Abreu's potential decline, he's never actually shown us that he could hit rock bottom and be uh, a less than one win player in a full season. So that's why I had Votto a little lower than some of the other guys. Makes total sense. And it's funny, we actually kind of handled that completely differently. I saw that and saw it as encouraging to see Votto battle back from that and reinvent his approach entirely to something I think is sustainable. But I like Joy Votto. I like Jose Abreu. I think they absolutely deserve to be in our top 10. Number eight, though, Reese Hoskins is actually a guy. I still ranked him in the top 10, but I've just never been convinced that he really should be here. I don't, I don't know. I have very little conviction about Reese Hoskins, the top 10 First baseman, we both have him near the bottom of our top 10. I had him at 10th. You have him at 8th. Reese Hoskins, what do you think, Victor? I think a healthy Reese Hoskins is a really good player. This year, uh, he changed his approach a bit, uh, walked uh, less than we're accustomed to, and um, hit for more power than we're accustomed to. 
So I think Hoskins has shown a little similarly to Votto that he could be a different type of hitter than we're accustomed to seeing him in the past. Uh, He's been consistently at or around that 130 rated runs created plus mark in his career. Um, I'm I'm pretty comfortable with him being one of the top eight or nine first basemen in baseball. And I do think if he was dealing with, he was dealing with injuries this past season, if he's completely healthy, there might be upside for him to be a top five first baseman. You know, you make a great point about his health. I actually didn't even really consider that too much. I think you're right. A lot of his struggles or a lot of the underwhelming data that seems to be behind Reese Hoskins can be easily attributed to health. And so you're right. When we've seen him healthy, we've seen quite a superstar at first base. I mean, when he first came up, he lit the league on fire. So it's in Mm -hmm. there. So I believe you. Top 10 first baseman. Okay, I feel a little better about it. Okay, number seven, though. This is a player we have not seen yet in the major leagues. It's Spencer Torkelson. It's a lot of people have either him or Adley Rutschman um, in their, t- well, they have both of them in their top three. A lot of them will have one of them as their for, uh, number one prospect in baseball. So we ranked Rutschman very high last week. I think he came in at fifth, a catch rate of Torkelson here. It's seventh. You had him just outside your top 10. He's our biggest disagreement in this group, but I'm not sure much can be said to that. I think we probably just draw our tears a little differently when it comes to this position, but he's a stud and we know, and at least in the minors, he's a, he's been a stud. So Spencer Torkelson, is that a little shocking to see him at seventh, Victor? Uh, not particularly. I think I ha- definitely handled it differently than a lot of people would. Uh, I kind of had Torkelson as the dividing line between players. I am uh, confident, very comfortable saying that they will be good next year and players who uh, I'm less confident saying will be good last year, uh, next year. Uh, in my ranking, I had Torkelson 11 uh, right at, behind guys like Abreu and Walsh and Hoskins and France, who I think are comfortably good players. And right ahead of guys like Votto and Belt and Crone and Voigt, who I think um, could should be good players, but I have questions about them myself. So I felt like Torkelson's upside was something that I could put in between those types of players. Yeah, actually, I think that's a really good spot to fit him in. I actually looked at that tier of players and put him above that tier of players because I really just think, I mean, I just like to be aggressive with young guys. Let's just let's just keep it simple. But I'm actually going to reveal these next three together. I don't know if you agree with me, but I think the top three players at first base were very easy for me. We're actually in com- a complete agreement, so I don't know if it was just as easy for you. But these next three, I went back and forth with all three of them, the way I wanted to rank them, health, age like i did not know what to do with these three players so i'm going to reveal them back to back to back starting with number six of the new york mets the polar bear the home run derby king pete alonzo comes in at number six max muncie comes in at number five and paul goldschmidt comes in at number four so we've got an interesting group here i think pete alonzo is someone that maybe the public is a little higher on than they should be because of those very public home run derby victories, but we still rank him very, very high. Max Muncy, I think he's an absolute stud, but the injury concerns heading off of last season, will he be healthy this season? Will that have an impact on his performance? And then finally, Paul Goldschmidt, who if you told me I ranked him this high last year, I would have laughed at you, but he had a great season. It was a convincing season. Victor, what are your thoughts on these three players? Yeah, I mean, now that you remind me of the Max Muncy injury situation, I kind of regret ranking him as highly as I did. I likely would have pushed him down a little bit, but he is a tremendous hitter when we know he's right. So I don't know how the elbow uh, is going to affect him this season. Um, I think somewhat Paul Goldschmidt similarly was someone who jumped out to me uh, when I was going through my process because I was expecting to push him in the Jose Abreu type of range, which is probably um, due to how bad he was in 2020 or not necessarily bad, but how underwhelming he was in 2020. But when you go and look through the stat sheets, uh, he's been consistently one of the better uh, top five first basemen since 2019. Um, Obviously before then he was a superstar, but in 2019, when his, um, his uh, current decline, I think, started when his decline in ability to make contact started. Even in that decline phase, he's been an absolute stud of a player. So that kind of surprised me. I thought I was going to have Pete Alonso ahead of him, but there really isn't much of an argument, I think, to have Alonso ahead of, ahead of Goldschmidt at this stage in their careers, at least. 
Um, I mean, I meant 2019, not 2020, when Goldschmidt was underwhelming. But yeah, Goldschmidt's an absolute stud. And then Alonzo, I think, I think the second half he made some improvements with his strikeout rate and that he might be able to come close to the big rookie season that he had. But in 2020 and 2021, he looked more like a good above average player than a truly elite one. And I would not be surprised if that's where he settles in as a three to maybe four win player in his good seasons, rather than the five wins that he put up in his rookie season. I completely am there with you. I, I think I expected to have Pete Alonso higher, but I, I do think those home run derby performances have inflated who he is as a player in my head. It's home run derby is not the game of baseball, though. Very fun to watch. I was actually at the one this year in Coors Field as I'm from Colorado, completely electric. One of my favorite sporting events ever, if not my favorite. So I was surprised to see really Paul Goldschmidt in particular, as you said, stand out as someone who I think is probably better at this point than Pete Alonzo. I don't know if we'll be saying the same thing in a couple of years because of age, but it sounds like once factoring in Max Muncy's injury, we're kind of in agreement here with the ordering. It would look something like Goldschmidt, Alonzo, and then Muncy. Although when Muncy's healthy, he has a play to be in the top four first baseman. Absolutely. And that brings us, Victor, to our top three, who, I don't know, was it as easy for you as it was for me? I thought it was clear one, clear two, clear number three. Uh, I think that's how I viewed it as well. Uh, Part of me wanted to make an argument for one player over another, but really there there really isn't any. Okay, that's interesting. If I had to guess, I would say that player is our number three first baseman, Matt Olson. And I would guess it was over the number two first baseman who we have is Freddie Freeman. Am I correct? Or was it was it someone? Yes, yes. That's where I was going um, in terms of what I was thinking prior to putting pen to paper for the rankings. But clearly, Freddie Freeman, between how electric he was in 2020, how consistent he's been through his entire career, and how Matt Olson has shown a little bit of weakness when it comes to uh, sometimes with strikeouts, sometimes with Babbitt, sometimes with his home ballpark. Uh, I think Freeman's just a little more of a stable option at the number two spot <laughs> compared to uh, Olson, who, you know, top three third baseman is not nothing to be ashamed about, obviously. Absolutely. No. I remember when people, this is focusing in specifically on Matt Olson, taking up slightly off topic, but it was the Matt Olson and the Matt Chapman show, which Matt is better at this point. Do you think it's definitively Matt Olson? I think for now it definitely is. Um, obviously when Matt Chapman before his hip injury, he was a borderline MVP candidate. So I think back then it was clear that he was better. But now that Chapman's uh, turned into more of a league average type of hitter, uh, I think Matt Olson's taken the reins as the better Matt in Oakland. Um, obviously, how long they're in Oakland, that's something that could be questioned as well. So we, I, I don't know how long they'll be competing against each other for that title. I think you're going you're gonna to really, really hate this comparison, Victor. But I would say Matt Olson is basically – the best parts of Josh Bell and the best parts of Ty France combined. So I think for me, based on what we said, yeah, Victor's making his face. He does not like that comparison. He's like, what good parts of Josh Bell, but Matt Olson, absolute stud. I'm excited to see where his career takes him. It's sad that it is in Oakland with a team that is now rebuilding. So that's a bummer, but Matt Olson, pretty exciting. Moving on to Freddie Freeman. I don't want to have much more to add, but just want to say, um, is he going to be an Atlanta Brave? That is a good question. And um, I would like for the lockout to end so we could get an answer to that question, but it does not seem as though that will happen for at least another month or so. All right, Victor, we've beat about around the bush enough. Our top first baseman, a slam dunk for me, someone who my Twitter says would have won MVP in any other season. My Twitter feed is wrong, by the way. It's Vladimir Guerrero Jr., our top first baseman. Some people are probably like, wait, first baseman? If they haven't been really paying attention, Vlad is now Toronto's first baseman. I mean, what can we say about this guy? This guy is a stud. He's a stud at the plate, at least. Complete stud. Yeah, he's really had an incredible 2021 season, uh, showed us everything that we wanted to see from him uh, when we were dreaming about what he could do as a prospect. Uh, So there isn't much to say. He's a really, 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 really good hitter. 
Uh, Steamer has him projected for a 162 weighted runs created plus 992 OPS, 43 homers, 309 average, 394 on base. I mean, he's and you just look at what he actually did last season. He's a complete stud. I also just want to say, as I'm looking down our rankings, Vladdy Jr., Freddie Freeman, Matt Olson, Paul Goldschmidt, Max Muncy, Pete Alonzo, and so on. First base has some really fun players. Those top six in particular, all very lovable players. I mean, maybe some people disagree with me about Max Muncy, but these other guys, I don't see a real argument not to like all of them. So First baseman, it's a great position. There seems to be a lot of depth, but also a huge drop-off at the same time. So I don't really know what that says about the position, but these top guys, I really enjoy. Um, So Vladdy Jr., our top first baseman. Now, Victor, we just worked together, creating our consensus top 30 first baseman rankings. It's now time to compete a little bit, go head-to-head and transition sports here to the NFL. What we're going to do is similar to something we did of a few months back when we looked at MLB wildcard teams, we're now going to do an NFL playoff team draft. So I'm bringing back the chaos wheel. If you've been with us, if you remember that it kind of screwed me last time, Victor ended up taking, taking down the prize, but this time we're going to be drafting playoff teams and we're going to get points for how well they do in the playoffs as a whole. So we're looking at all playoff eligible teams right now, but before we get to that, Victor, we've been playing another game all season. We've been doing it together. It was our eliminator game, which is basically now over. It's completely out of our hands. So last week when we didn't record, me and Victor eliminated the Cleveland Browns together over group chat. That's turned out well as they play tonight as we're recording against the Steelers. They've already been eliminated. So that was the right choice then. That brings us to our elimination this week, which has been decided for us because we're going to go with the Minnesota Vikings as they too have now been mathematically eliminated from the playoffs. So I'm just going to give a quick recap of where we're at. I'm going to start with the officially eliminated teams. And it just so happens that every eliminated team, the team that's been eliminated officially, we too have eliminated. So we've done a good job in that way. It's the Jags, the Lions, the Texans, the Giants, the Jets, the Panthers, the Seahawks, the Bears, the football team, the Broncos, the Falcons, the Vikings, the Browns, and the Dolphins. Shout out Titans for helping us there with the Dolphins, exposing them for the frauds they are. That win streak was getting a little scary, but the Dolphins have been eliminated from the playoffs. We have already eliminated all those teams. And Victor, every team that has officially clinched a spot, we have also not eliminated any of them. So if a team has their fate decided, we were correct. We'll see in a little bit, though, that those middle teams is where we might have dropped the ball a little bit. But those officially clinched teams, the Packers, who have not only clinched a playoff spot in the division, they've clinched the whole conference. Watch out. The only undefeated team at home in the NFL. That's the Packers. We also have the Rams, the Bucks, the Titans, the Chiefs, the Cowboys, the Cardinals, the Bengals, the Bills, the Patriots, and the Eagles. Both of our teams making that list, Victor. It's a good year for us Titans and Patriots fans. But that brings us to two remaining teams in the NFC, the 49ers and the Saints, who are battling for the last spot. All the 49ers have to do is win this week. But who's going to be a quarterback? They're playing the Rams, who may be battling for seeding of their own. It's not an easy win for the 49ers. Should they lose and the Saints win, the Saints will make the playoffs. The problem is, Victor, we've eliminated both these teams. So one of these teams is going to make it, and we're going to be wrong. We only got, I shouldn't say only six, still feels like a decent accomplishment. We got six of the NFC teams correct, but we missed on the 49ers or the Saints. Now, the AFC is a little more interesting. A lot more teams vying for those final playoff spots those being the Colts the Chargers the Raiders the Steelers if they win tonight so people will know um, if they lost to the Browns on Monday night when they're listening to this the Steelers have been eliminated and also the Ravens who somehow still have a chance to make the playoffs we have only eliminated the Raiders and the Steelers from that bunch and basically I'm going to keep it simple because the AFC is complete chaos but Let's assume the Colts take care of business. They need to win to make the playoffs, and they're playing the Jags, the definitive worst team in the NFL. It should be an easy win, and I say should be, and I'm just thinking back to how the Bills lost to the Jags, but we're just going to keep it simple. We're going to say the Colts beat the Jags. The Colts are in, and that basically makes the Chargers and the Raiders a winner takes all, gets that last position in the AFC. We have the Chargers left. We've eliminated the Raiders. So we're team Chargers. 
Victor, that's what we'll be watching this week. Raiders, Chargers, head-to-head, winner takes all. Pretty good. We might we might go seven, uh, seven for seven in the AFC should the Chargers win. Are you proud of what we've done this year when it comes to our elimination game, Victor? I think we have a lot to be proud about with the eliminator game. Obviously, cutting the 49ers as early in the season as we decided to do, probably not the best look. But I think otherwise, we did a good job of avoiding um, teams that probably – looked as though they were dead and made giving them a little time to make sure that um, if they had a run in them, that we didn't lose out on that. Speaking specifically of the Eagles who did not look like um, they were going to have a very good season early in the year. Uh, so I think generally we did a very, very solid job when it came to this eliminator game. I'll take complete credit or sorry, not credit, blame, <laughs> not credit. I'm taking <laughs> blame for eliminating the 49ers. The previous week I had called them a sleeper team and then they went out and put a co- up a complete dud. I was done with Kyle Shanahan. I was done with Trey Lance. I was done with that whole situation. I was mad and out of emotion. I eliminated them without really probably getting Victor enough say in that process. Maybe if I didn't come in with so much emotion, the 49ers would still be there and we'd have a chance to sweep. But overall, we could end up going 13 for 14, which I feel great about. But that's all out of our control. So, Victor, let's, instead of focusing too much on that, let's play our NFL playoff team draft. So we're bringing back the Wheel of Chaos for the first 10 picks. The wheel will determine something about the pick. It, it, the result, uh, there's 10 different options on the wheel. It can say a team from an East division, a team from a North division, South division, and West division. It can also specify an AFC team or an NFC team. There are also two power-ups similar to last time. You can collect a veto to veto anyone's pick at the um, through any point in the game. And then there's also a pick swap, which if you spin that, all it means is the other person is now picking and you pick after them. And then finally, there's two other results. You have to pick a non-division winner, meaning a team that's currently not in the division lead or a team that is currently not in the playoffs. That one is a real stinker if you spin that early. And knowing my luck last time, I probably will. So before each pick, we'll spin that. It will help us determine what type of pick we're making. In general, we're going to do two points for a wild card win, three points for a divisional round win, six for a conference title, and 12 points for a Super Bowl victory. That makes it 12 points per round up for grabs. Victor, do you understand all the rules? Yes, sir. All right, so there are 18 teams in the playoffs that are sorry, 18 teams vying for a final playoff position. I guess before we start, we have to decide who's picking first and then who's picking second. Whoever's picking second, will get, we'll do snake. So they'll get the second and third pick. Victor, do you have a preference? Uh, you could go first. Dang it. Okay. I really think there's an obvious first pick and I don't want to make that pick. So hopefully the wheel <laughs> helps me out a little bit here. So here we go. I'm going to spin the wheel. It's spinning now. And all I want is it for it to force me to do an AFC team. It's telling me I have to pick a team from a South division. Interesting. So that leaves me with the choices of the Titans, Colts, Bucks, Saints. And that is it. Now, obviously, I'm not going to pick the Saints or the Colts. I mean, the Colts should make the playoffs, but you don't want to pick a team right away that's not got that locked in. That leaves me with the Bucks versus the Titans. It would be kind of cruel for me to pick the Titans as they are Victor's favorite team. And I kind of want to leave them as a, as a measure of good faith, Victor, that maybe you remember this moment when the Patriots come out. And so I am going to take... The Tampa Bay Buccaneers give me Tom Brady, the man I once was in love with, who is now a mortal enemy. I'm taking Tom Brady, and the Buccaneers is my first pick. Uh, I'm not. I'm not mad at it. It kept me from having to pick the Packers, which is the team I did not want to pick. So <laughs> <laughs> that uh, brings us to your pick, Vic. You're going to get back-to-back picks here. We'll have to spin the wheel for both picks. So your first pick here. We're spinning the wheel now. That is going to give you a, of course, just like last time, <laughs> the superpower of the veto. So now Victor gets to use a veto at any point. He has it in his back pocket. If I make a pick and he really wants that team, veto. 
So Victor gets that veto. But before we spin again to see what he gets for his second pick, Victor, who are you going to be picking first? Uh, obviously, the Packers look like the clear, uh, not clear favorite, but definitely the highest odds. Uh, their path to the Super Bowl looks like it's going to be the easiest as well. So, uh, yeah, I'm going to be taking the Packers first of all, first um, with my uh, second overall pick. Yeah, so the Packers do have that very, in their case, important first round bye. They're the only team in the NFL that has not lost at home. They get to play every game up into the Super Bowl at home. It really seems like the Packers have the easiest road to the Super Bowl, which gives them obviously the best chance of winning the Super Bowl. I think this is a no-brainer pick. I still think the Packers defense is insanely fraudulent, but every team here on this list, I actually believe, has some sort of fatal flaw. So... I mean, obvious first choice, Victor. I love the pick. Okay. That brings us to your next pick. I'm spinning the wheel now. Come on, give him something bad. Please don't give him the power up of the swap. Okay, Victor, here we go. You have to pick a team that is currently not winning their division. Mm -hmm. That is, uh, might push me in a direction that will not be optimal for you. Uh, Victor, remember. <laughs> so what Victor's hinting at is right now, although the Bills and Patriots have the same record, the Bills are currently, because of tiebreakers, are mm-hmm. at the top of that division. So the Patriots are up for grabs. The other team he, he could be looking at are the Ravens, the Steelers, the Colts, the Chargers, the Raiders, the Eagles, the Saints, and the Arizona Cardinals in San Francisco 49ers. So, Victor, it's basically, I mean, it's kind of a no-brainer here. It's either the Patriots or the Cardinals. So I'm just going to remind you once again, I left the Titans for you. You you can pick the Patriots now, but that basically locks in the fact that I'm going to be gunning for those Titans. Yep. So uh, I will be taking the Cardinals. Um, I think that I don't really have a strong feeling about the Cardinals versus the Patriots, but obviously – in the context of this game, it is much more, uh, much more uh, friendly to be taking the Cardinals than the Patriots. Absolutely. So that leaves you with the Packers and the Cardinals. The Cardinals, a team we predicted to make the Super Bowl about a month ago. Uh, funny enough, it was against the Bills, and the Bills are now looking like a much stronger choice, and the Cardinals mm-hmm. are looking like a much weaker choice. But it was kind of looking the opposite there for a little bit. That brings us back to my pick. Victor does have that veto. Maybe he wanted to see me take the Patriots and then use the veto, but I do have back-to-back picks here. So if he vetoes the first pick, I don't know, Victor, I might make it again. So keep that in mind. I'm giving, I'm giving Victor a little bit of strategy help here. So from my first pick, I spin the wheel and just missing the power-up of the swap, or actually the person who swins the, spins the swap. That's uh, bad for them. I have to pick a non-playoff team i said it early that's the real whammy if it happens early in the game and it is. So, oh my goodness victor that does not leave me with many options leaves me with two options in the nfc the 49ers and the saints and in the afc that leaves me with the raiders right now as the chargers and the colts have the tiebreaker over them the steelers and the ravens well i've basically lost this <laughs> I am a, I, I, I mean, I think this ultimately is probably a no-brainer. Oh wait, sorry. The it's not the 49ers aren't an option. It's the Saints are the option because the 49ers are in that spot. So I was about to choose the 49ers illegally. So it really is. It's the Saints, the the Raiders, the Steelers, or the Ravens. Oh my goodness! <laughs> None of these teams are going to make the playoffs. <laughs> None of them. Okay. Well. I guess I'll go with the team that I think is most likely to make the playoffs. And I actually think um, that is no one. <laughs> I really <laughs> stuck here. I really stuck here. I, I was about to say the saints, but who do the saints play this week? I'm actually blanking, but they play the Falcons, which should be a win. I do think the 49ers could lose to the Rams, although I'm not sure how motivated the Rams will be, but 538 is telling me the Raiders have the best chance of making the playoffs. I really don't think that's true. I think they're going to lose to the chargers. Okay, Victor. I'm gonna I'm gonna be forced to go. Oh wow! You know what? I, I went to high school with a player on the Raiders, big damn <laughs> man Carlson. So I'm gonna go with the Oakland Raiders. I'm hedging a little bit with our Eliminator game. That pick really sucked. <laughs> okay, but luckily you made I the you pick. made the wheel. So I did. Yeah, the we I think I've rigged the wheel to to hurt Wait, me. 
so 538 has the Chargers and Raiders both over 50% chance to make the playoffs. Yeah, so what's happening there is they're factoring in some probability that the Jags beat the Colts because if the Jags beat the Colts, that opens a number of possibilities for all sorts of teams. For example, the Patriots can actually be anywhere from the one to the seven seed. So the AFC is very undecided. Now, I just spun the wheel, and it's forcing me to pick an NFC team, which kind of sucks because the Packers and the Bucks are already gone. They're the top two teams in the NFC, I think, pretty clearly. I'm going to go with the experience and the coach. I think the quarterback throws too many pick sixes, and that freaks me out, but I really don't know if there's another good option in the NFC. I'm not a believer in the Cowboys at all, so I'm going to go with the Rams here for my second pick. So I now have the Raiders, the Rams, and the Buccaneers, Victor, are you uh, going to let me make that pick or take a veto here? Uh, you can make that pick. I have no Thank problem. You. All right. So that brings Victor. He's got back-to-back picks here, and the wheel is almost out of options. Only five options left. The um, AFC pick, uh, immediate swap of your pick to your opponent, um, and then picking someone in the East Division, North Division, and West Division. So I'm spinning it for Victor, hoping it gives him the swap, which will give me a free pick of whatever I want but it doesn't, it actually gives him the West, which I think Mm -hmm. Victor should make your pick quite easy. Here are your options. Oh, okay. He's already on it. I'm just for the people. Let me give him the West options. The chiefs, the chargers, the Raiders have already been picked. So can't pick them, Victor. I'm sorry. (laughs) Can't pick the Raiders. So you got the chiefs, the chargers and the 49ers. So who are you picking? Yeah, I'll be taking the chiefs. Are you sure? Easy choice. Are you sure you want that? Very sure. Okay, Victor. Fine. Easy choice. All right. Spinning it again for Victor. This is this has gone arguably worse for me than the MLB draft, which the wheel was not kind for me either. Maybe I need to get rid of the chaos wheel. Okay, Victor. Your second spin is going to come in as an East Division member, which so Bills and Pats are already off. Nope. Sorry. Nope. Pats are not off the board. I'm taking it for granted that I'm going to get the Pats here. You have the Bills. The Bills are the also Pats. still there, right? Um, are they still there? I felt, yeah, they are still there. Okay. Bills, Pats, uh, Cowboys, Eagles. Yeah, I'll be going with the Bills here. Okay. Another probably fairly easy choice for you. I look at the Bills, honestly. I watch them play the Pats, and Josh Allen has – one of the best games I've seen anyone ever play is the first game ever against the Pats where the opposing team, or sorry, against the uh, Bill Belichick, where the opposing team did not have to punt on the final drive of the game, the game winning drive, Josh Allen made arguably three impossible plays to win that game. And then the next week he goes out against the Falcons and has a horrible game. He throws for like 150 yards and three interceptions. So, I mean, he's kind of wildly inconsistent, Victor. He's a guy that if he's, he don't, he's going well, maybe no one can beat them. But if he's not going, not going well, honestly, a lot of teams can beat them. Does that make you nervous at all with the Bills? That's true. The their offense is so heavily reliant on Josh Allen's production that they're kind of emblematic of his inconsistencies this season. But as uh, the fourth team that I've picked, I think the upside of them running into a good Josh Allen month makes it well worth the risk of Josh Allen completely imploding potentially in even in the wild card game yeah i mean like you like you mentioned your picks here have been so strong i don't think you have much to worry about so i am now is i believe i'm up is that right yeah two picks okay so i'm up i'm spinning the wheel i've got afc swap and north just knowing my luck it's probably going to give me swap and guess what <laughs> i got swap which means victor is now up and i will get victor's next pick so victor's up and then i get two more picks victor this is a free pick for whoever whoever you want now I've been leaving this team for you there. I really only have left them once because I haven't had much choice. But you do have the Titans. Other options include the Bengals, the Cowboys, the Pats, any of those teams that you want. I am actually going to take the Bengals here. Okay. You're leaving the Titans a little too long. You're pushing your luck a little here, Victor, because I have some really uh, bad teams. You (laughs) You got Joe Burrow, Mr. Throws for 1,000 yards over the last two weeks. MVP of the of the week on red zone two weeks in a row, Joe Burrow. I think the last two weeks, the Bengals have shown that um, when they commit to being a Joe Burrow centric offense, they could play with anybody 
Um, so I think if they keep making sure they don't uh, run the ball too much and they let Joe be Joe, they, they could be a team that's scary. So, Victor, let me ask you this. I'm not necessarily acting who, asking who you would pick. This is kind of unrelated, but related to the Bengals as a whole. Who do you think is going to win Rookie of the Year this season? So going into this week, Mac, Mac Jones was a minus uh, 500 favorite over Jameer Chase, but then Chase goes out and has a record-setting performance where he has the most yards ever by a rookie in a single game. And now you look at his stats on the season, and he's all of a sudden had one of the best, if not the best rookie season for a wide receiver ever. Mac Jones has been good, but obviously not the best season a rookie QB has ever had. So do you think last week, and it wasn't like Mac Jones played poorly. He led his team to score 50 points on the Jaguars, of course. But do you think that that now pushes the rookie of the year voting in favor of Jameer Chase over Mac Jones? Uh, I think it should. I don't know if it'll necessarily show up in the in the uh, in the betting, um, I'm not even 100% sure it'll show up in the voting necessarily since Mac Jones is a quarterback on a winning team. Uh, but I think uh, in order to overcome someone who is having a historic season like Justin Jefferson did last year, you have to have someone who is doing things that are also fairly historic like Justin Herbert did last year when he won rookie of the year. So I think... Uh, Jamar Chase being arguably the best rookie wide receiver ever should get him um, should get him the rookie of the year over Mac Jones, who has certainly had a good season, but has not been uh, he's not played like Justin Herbert or Cam Newton's rookie season or Andrew Luck's rookie season. I think um, he's been a little a notch below those guys. Uh, so I think uh, Jamar Chase should be the, the rookie of the year offensively. I completely agree. I don't think it's particularly close. Of course, if you're hearing me say that, a very biased Mac Jones truther, I think I think obviously Jameer Chase should, should win. I'll, I'm interested to see how Vegas will respond because Mac Jones was a pretty heavy favorite and then had a pretty exceptional game last week. So just an interesting thing to keep your eye on. Now I get back-to-back picks here since Victor stole my pick. Right here, I'm spinning the wheel. It's either going to force me to take an AFC team. And I'll get both these options at some point, an AFC team or a team in a North division. I don't know how many options we have left in a North division, so that could be problematic. The Bengals have been taken. The Ravens and Steelers are both there, and the Packers have been taken. So what the heck? <laughs> I mean, <laughs> neither, the, neither the Ravens or the Steelers are making the playoffs. They both have to be picked in our game. At some point, we're going to pick all 18 teams. I'll go ahead and take the Ravens because if they're like 2% chance of making the playoffs comes true, let me see what 538 is saying. Yeah, 2% for both these teams. If they make it, I feel better about their chances of winning games. Maybe Lamar Jackson gets healthy all of a sudden. I, by the way, I told you all two weeks ago, don't say Tyler Huntley's better than Lamar Jackson. Watch the game he just had. Huntley is not the same QB Jackson is when Jackson's healthy. So, I mean, they need they need a healthy Lamar Jackson. They also need just a complete miracle to make the playoffs in general. They're not making it, whatever. I'm taking them, which brings me to, it's going to force me now the last spin on the wheel to take an AFC team. Oh, and I'm smiling, Victor, because I, I have a choice here. Do I want to take the Titans because you've left them here so long? Or do I just lock in the Super Bowl winning Patriots? And I think obviously that's what I have to do. I have to go with the team that's going to win the Super Bowl, not the team, not the team with the coach that's going to win coach of the year, but with the team that has the coach that should win coach of the year. It's Bill Belichick and the Patriots. You know, there's a lot of teams out there with QBs who like, look at, look at the interception leaders in the league. It's like Justin Herbert, Joe Burrow, Josh Allen, and the AFC. There's a lot of QBs that are prone to have having terrible games. And that Uh is good for a team. That's really consistent. A team like the Patriots. Now, Mac Jones has never played in the playoffs. We've seen him crumble a little bit in the first half against the Colts. Okay, a lot of bit in the first half against the Colts, but he had a great second half, and then he didn't play good against Bill. So I'm taking them because I like them, Victor, and I'm basically conceding that I've already lost this to you. But now there's no <laughs> wheel, and you're up with back-to-back picks. Who are you taking with these two picks? Uh, I'll be taking the Titans and the 49ers. Okay. 
You're taking the Titans and the 49ers. So interesting. You take the 49ers who have not locked up a playoff spot. They have to win a tough game against the Rams and leaving the Cowboys on the board. Is that just because you don't believe in the Cowboys? Yeah, I think um, obviously they'll be playing a home game in the first round. So that probably bodes well for their chances of winning at least one game. But I think this team, when they leave the Dome, is not good. They have been one of the worst red zone offenses in the NFL on the road. Uh, Dak has been super inconsistent. They just lost Michael Gallup. Their wide receivers have not been on the same page with Dak um, for most of the past two months. And I do I do really like the the 49ers ability to run the ball. I think that I think that they're a team that plays up in the playoffs since they're such a physical team. Um, that could go up against team, teams that have, may have more talent but um, may get outcoached uh, the same way the 49ers beat the Packers in the playoffs a couple of years ago. So I, I'm, I'm definitely going out, a, out on a limb here. It's not the mathematical play at all. But I think the 49ers have a little bit of a – they have a little upside in them that I don't think um, some other teams in their position have. Yeah, I think I think it's a it's a good play. I think you're at a point when you can you can go for upside. And I really just wanted to pick your brain to see if I should pick the Cowboys, because for my first pick, I'm going to take the Colts off the board. They were able to beat the Patriots. I I think the Patriots were the better team that day, even though they lost. I think a lot of people would disagree with me that I'm saying that I don't think the Colts have the best running back in the league. Okay, now I just got a bunch of people even more mad at me, but I'm still taking them, I think. The, the at some point you've got to you've got to pick the best team remaining and that's probably the Colts even though they're led by Carson Wentz okay so Victor and I are actually just resuming now because we made an error or I should say I made an error where when we swapped picks I should have actually had three straight picks to keep it even so I'm going to I don't know Victor I think I should get another pick here to get us back mm-hmm. on track yep um that, that now this is I'm gonna not only blame poor luck but just blame myself for screwing up the order and that's that's why victor is going to beat me so that that makes it pretty easy on me then i think i'm going to take both the eagles and the cowboys and i'll veto the cowboys pick okay victor's going to veto the cowboys which is fine because that's how this is gone and i'll take the chargers which i'm assuming that means victor wants the cowboys yeah, I'll take uh, the Cowboys and the Saints then. Awesome. And now it comes full circle. I had to make that tough choice early in the game between the Ravens and the Steelers, both with a 2% chance of making the playoffs. You listeners could be listening right now, knowing the Steelers are eliminated already. So maybe I'm already off to a bad start. Most most likely it doesn't matter because I, I have the bottom three teams since we're looking at it right now. Victor has a lot of the top teams. So I'm going to, I'm going to finish with the Steelers. So a final recap, Victor, you have the Packers, the chiefs are probably the two best teams in either conference. So great start there. Then you have your Titans, most likely team to get that first round by another great start there for you, but you're leaving a one pointer on the table there early. I don't know. I'm just messing. You also have the Bengals and the Cowboys who you ignored to take the 49ers and then vetoed when I took the Cowboys. So you got the Cowboys, as I just mentioned. You have the 49ers also. You have the Cardinals. And finally, the Saints. That that sounds pretty lopsided, Victor, because that leaves me with the Bucks, the Rams, and the Pats, and a whole lot of nothing. And that nothing, I guess, includes the Colts. But after that, it's Eagles, Chargers, Raiders, Ravens, Steelers. So look at that. I'm gonna when the playoffs start, I'm gonna have three teams not in the playoffs at a minimum because the Steelers won't make it, the Ravens won't make it, and then the loser of the Raiders Chargers won't make it. So yikes. Okay, good job, Victor. Nice win. <laughs> nice, nice job. Chaos wheel is dead to me. I'm not bringing the chaos wheel back. Next time we're going head to head with uh just pure prowess victor uh, I'm, gonna, I'm i mean i'm putting the chaos wheel in there honestly to help me and it's doing the opposite so. <laughs> whatever greatest invention ever the greatest invention ever for victor. victor you don't even need the chaos wheel that's the problem <laughs> i need it to, to hinder you in the way it's hindering me oh whatever man okay now as we transition into the closing of our show, we feel like we, or at least I've uh, felt like we've been ending our show a little abruptly. So we're going to start doing this thing where we're going to say to you, our show is about to end, 
by picking a you think each of us have and victor can see what i've picked right here so that's a, <laughs> gonna <laughs> close that right there's so now victor can't see what i've picked but we're gonna pick something that we're looking forward to in this week of sports it can be really anything it doesn't have to be limited to baseball or football but it does need to be sports related i don't know how uh creative you want to get with that but victor do you have something you're looking forward to this coming week in sports yeah, I think uh, week 18, this is going to be one of the more interesting uh, final weeks of the NFL season. I'm looking forward to seeing how the playoff seating is going to shake out since there are so many teams that are uh, clumped up and don't know where they're going to be going uh, after the play- the regular season ends. So I think the general chaos is what I'm looking forward to, whether the Titans will be able to lock up the number one seed, how the NFC playoffs is going to shake out. Um, Yeah, I think uh, the Chargers-Raiders game being a potential winner-take-all game, uh, I think it's all going to be very fun to watch next week. Absolutely. I I had top of my list, Chargers-Raiders winner-take-all game is is the thing I'm looking forward to most, not only because of the playoff implications, but also because of our Eliminator game implications. But I had a second option here because I knew that would probably be something you would mention. And I'm going to go with the 49ers as a whole, is it going to be Jimmy G or is it going to be Trey Lance and will the Rams try against them? I'm just very curious about that game as a whole. Who's going to be the 49ers QB? Will the Rams go for seeding or will they kind of let the 49ers not necessarily let them beat them, but there are scenarios where they could line up against each other in the playoffs. So it's, I think that situation is super interesting. 49ers are forced to try here. Rams are already in. Do they kind of hide some of their playbook? They've already played each other once in the season. It's just a really fascinating scenario to me. And just throw on top of that, will it be Jimmy G or Trey Lance? I mean, I'm looking forward to it. Victor, would you pick Jimmy G or Trey Lance if you're the 49ers? Uh, I think in I mind prefer- that Jimmy G, obviously if they're healthy, you'd go Jimmy G. But mm-hmm. factoring into Jimmy G's injury, that which will require surgery in the offseason. Uh, I think I obviously, if Jimmy were ideally healthy, I would probably prefer to start him given Lance's lack of experience. I think if he's able to show enough in practice, I would be more comfortable having him start these uh, really meaningful games at the end of the season. But um, if he's still looking like he was during the Titans game where he isn't able to grip the ball properly or throw accurately, then at that point, I think you had to go with Lance and just try and see if you could run the ball through the playoffs. Those will be the things we're looking forward to next week. All the playoff deciding games, specifically Chargers versus Raiders, winner take all. Can the Titans get that one seed for Victor's uh, self-peace? And will it be Jimmy G or Trey Lance against the Rams starters or backups and who will win that game? It's all very exciting. We'll go down in that final week. And that concludes our show for the week. As always, you can find both of us on Twitter. I'm at UT Streamer. Victor is at Awesome Victor AA. I got it right that time with his nice <laughs> trick he taught me last time. So hopefully it's all locked in your guys' head well, as well. As always, uh, be sure to subscribe and rate the podcast. I saw that now on Spotify, you can rate podcasts, although it might be a little tricky. But still, if you, if you can figure out how to do that, if you're technically savvy, be sure to leave us a good rating. But again, only a good rating. If you have negative things to say, we're not saying bury those. Just take this to, those to us on Twitter or let us let us know some things we can improve and make sure the ratings stay nice and positive <laughs> so we can, we can grow our audience. And with that, sound the victory trumpets. <laughs>